podcast and joining us. Please join all. We are excited to pursue his heart, greatest city on center. All right, thank you for your patience, you guys. So as we're thinking about God telling Abraham to look at the stars and consider those who would be his offspring, um, his progeny, those who would come along and begin to tell the story, this covenant story of God walking with man, which is the greatest story that has ever been told that our call becomes for us to remember um, love. As this section of um, Advent, we started at hope, the hope of Abraham and him leaving home and, and wanting to invest in and engage in this promise that God had given him. Also, the next week we talked about the peace and the peace that follows um, generosity and a story of Ruth and how she began to follow Naomi and then also she followed the, the gleaners in, of, in Boaz's field and as such she was able to possess this generosity that was abundant beyond anything that she could imagine. And as we're beginning this path to expect and anticipate Advent and the coming of Jesus, we come to David and the story of one who was a man after God's own heart. And our call becomes that we would love out loud. And I think that Christians have often a very quiet love, a very reserved love. And there was something about David dancing the way he danced. I will dance, I will dance, I will dance like David danced. Yes, that song can be a little, I don't know about that song, but it, it makes sense that we would be effusive in our praise of God, that we would be worshipful like I always say, you go to a game and people are losing their minds. Yes, alcohol helps a little bit with that, but you know, people are losing their minds and going crazy over a piece of pig skin, you know what I'm saying? And how much more is our Savior worthy to be praised? That we would love in a way that people could tell that we are in love. You should be able to tell that I'm in love with my wife. You should be able to understand how much I love my family. It should be something that is obvious, as is our love for Jesus. In this moment, it is not about attempting to add more action for us. It is to understand the depth of the love that we have access to. And I love, love, love. As an artist, as a romantic, you know, I can go on and on about it. <laughs> How amazing it is that they were so afraid of the presence of God, every time they went six steps, they sacrificed. Because previous to this, someone had stumbled and 
touched the ark of the presence and God was like, you know, in a motion like that. And a person who had, had touched it, Uzziah, died. And so they were carefully considering this presence that David had spent even so much money to get this presence from a long distance into Jerusalem. Every six paces they were sacrificing to make sure that they didn't offend God in the midst of it. It was something that was important to David. And you saw that as he danced with all of his might. This wasn't a haphazard dance. It wasn't as if he literally danced out of his clothes. It was as if he laid his priestly robes aside. He laid aside his class. He laid aside his anointing. He laid aside all the authority that he had to dance simply as a minister before the Lord. Did you know you can minister to the Lord? Did you know we have the opportunity, the ability to minister to God himself? If only we would do it with all of our might. But then I know you would probably say, I'm not two years old. I don't do anything with all my might. You know, it's like two-year-olds don't really care about uh, budgeting their energy during the day. (laughs) It's like, I need to really slow down at this moment because I might pass out from exhaustion. They're like, nah, I'm just, (laughs) I'm going to go hard and leave it all on the table. Then it's bedtime. like, (laughs) I'm just gone. But we learn in adult, as adults it's not a very practical way for us to live. That we have to budget our relationships. We have to budget our, our time and our energy. We, we can't live like that all the time because it's exhausting when we are disappointed. So all of our might becomes, you know, we might, we may, it, it may be something that we engage in that way passionately. And that creates, although we preach about love and teach about love, something that could even amount to a whisper. And we know when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Oh, he said, oh, the first is also the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And David is loving the Lord, worshiping, dancing with all of his might, with every bit of what he has. And you know if you're not pursuing your life with all your might, how? Because when you see someone who is, you know you might have a little despising for them. You might, you know, it's not that serious. Someone who walks into a greater portion of their life and things are beginning to manifest. Like I said, God exposes things in us by giving something to the person next to us that we really desire. Why this is taking so long? Man, you know, I don't know. I should be first. I should be doing it this way. God is like, you know what? I'm just going to bring it close to you to see how you act. To see if you're ready to actually possess this land that you believe you are. It 
So many of our endeavors don't work. I tell this story so many times about living with all of my might. <laughs> as far back as I can remember of me breaking glass when I was a kid. My mom goes outside. She's just going outside to hang up uh, laundry because it's in California. You can do that there. She's hanging up laundry and I start beating on the glass. I'm like five years old or something. I'm beating on the glass. My older brother tells his story of seeing me do this. I'm beating on the glass until I break the glass as a five-year-old because I want my mama. Yeah, I was a mama's boy. <laughs> and so now I have this scar on my wrist to remind me of how I've always wanted to do everything with all of my heart. And even that momentum of doing that reminds that like we very often we budget our energy we budget things out and then we get to the end of our lives and we got a whole bunch left and you ask people what did they regret when they're dying it wasn't that I had more things I traveled more places is that I wish I called that person to fix that relationship or I wish I left more out there and didn't reserve so much for myself. It is with passion we do the most we can without it the least. How do we just get along in life and as we know, and we talk about frequently of how we engage with something, how do we engage with even something that's a part of God's will? How do we put all of ourselves into it? The little boy gave all of his lunch, all of it, so that it could be multiplied. That as we engage with the Lord, he, he doesn't, want 25 percent of us he wants 100 percent because he can do something that's amazing with that even as David went to and took off this royal priestly robe it was a linen ephod that was left something just very simple about it the average king doing that in public would be very uncomfortable. Our passion should take us into an uncomfortable place. Because this is where the kingdom breaks in. Where we are uncomfortable. Where we are, things are being pulled out of us that we didn't even know existed in us. And the discomfort of being a king outside of our class and status and into his presence. The part that I didn't read at the end of that passage is David finally goes to Michael, and, who was Saul's daughter, and Saul was his mortal enemy. And... 
Saul thought David was more of his enemy than David thought Saul was more of his enemy, but that's a, a different story. And he goes to Michael, and she says, you see what you were doing? The servant girl saw you in your undergarments. This was horrible. What are you doing? And he said, let me tell you what. I will become more undignified than this. For the cause of the Lord. He will become even more undignified. Now David, of course, was one who was mighty. He was a, a man of war. He engaged in war, so Solomon didn't have to. But he said, I will become even more undignified than this. Imagine receiving all of your dignity from the presence of God. Woo-wee! Because then it doesn't matter who accepts you or rejects you because you have already received your confirmation and your affirmation in the presence of the real king. I will become even more undignified than this. That imagine our discomfort and us being in a place of like, oh man, I don't want to be proselytizing, but I really want to ask this person, do they know Jesus? I, I don't want to be pushy. I don't even want to approach the level of being pushy, but I would really want to know where they're going for eternity. That our discomfort is how we begin to love out loud for others. Very often, in order for us to love someone else, we have to step into an uncomfortable place. It's just the way it is. Because I am used to the areas that I'm used to moving around. Even being married, in order to reach to my wife sometimes, I have to go into an uncomfortable place. How many of you are married and the way that your wife receives love is the complete opposite of the way you give it? Like the opposite. <laughs> it was like God was like, okay, let's see if I can go to the polar opposite of the way that you would like to receive love. And I'm going to give you that person. There you go. <laughs> because our passion is worked out in uncomfortable places. And we grow in discomfort. What about initiating a way that somebody else receives love? Not just even tolerating it, but initiating it. Hey, honey, let's just go sit and talk. What do you think? Let's, just, let's have some quality time. <laughs> discomfort that we go hard with all of our might and then we find ourselves in an uncomfortable place we're like uh oh this wasn't a part of the plan like I was just supposed to put everything I have into something and then it works out and I'm good but in a discomfort you find are you really in it for yourself are you really in it to love that the people that I've seen give their lives to Christ and going outside of my comfort zone to love them, it is always worth it. You will never regret it. Man, I look stupid. Oh, man, I got to like step out to do this. I got to step out to reach out to somebody in my neighborhood. Man, even just to ask somebody, you ever ask somebody a question and uh, 
You ever try to help somebody and then they say no? You're like, yes, okay, it's cool. <laughs> I just wanted to act like I was prepared to help. <laughs> Putting ourselves out there. That David stepping outside of his priestly garments was like him stepping outside of the societal and cultural norms. That we can't live in these boxes that the world has created for us. That God is he and this kingdom is always looking to pull us out of our comfort. I was thinking of a good a good um, definition for what passion is. And passion is like it's a love that is set apart. It is a love that is unique. It is a love that has a unique expression. It is a love that has a unique engagement. that we would put all of our hearts into something and be passionately in love with God. It says in Romans 10, 14, and 15, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So everybody who loves shoes, this is your verse, okay? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. They go hand in hand. One of the biggest mysteries of life is that God decides to work through people. That he limits himself and his working and his moving in the world. Yes, his way that he loves us each in the world to a person or two or three. That he dwells in us just the same way that the present dwells in a physical place, the ark. But that he limits it to where we will go. Imagine giving someone everything you own, all of your inheritance, and you say your only stipulation is I need you to go spend this inheritance and then trying to convince them to even go out and use it. And realize what we have. This is the gift of Christ. That Christmas is just a reminder, just a glimpse of the reminder of how invaluable we have received the gift that is Christ. How then how then will they call on them in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
God is sending us out as all these little pockets of light, these stars to go out into the world, and this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine at any cost. That our love would not be merely a whisper, a whisper, but it would be a loud shout and an engaging with the Lord. And although we may dance with all of our might and find ourselves in an uncomfortable place, we may still be despised. Now, this is not a message where someone says, turn to your haters and say, get off my back. (laughs) I think people are way too expectant of enemies or persecution. We are way too um, saying, well, I'm just going to leave that relationship that way because that's the way it is. You know, I, I just, some people just don't like me. I understand that even as a uh, reforming or currently reforming people pleaser, that there, that is a, <laughs> always a danger. Are we okay? Are we all right? Okay. Are we okay? We're all right. All right. Are we okay? Are we all right? I just know I don't want to be the one despising. I don't want to see someone moving in their dreams and their anointing and whatever God has given them, and I am standing next to Michael going, where's your dignity at? Because if we are loving, if passion is loving, setting yourself apart through love then it's going to look like something you ain't never seen before when we are passionately pursuing the Lord. And as an artist and possibly a four, um, I need to do, be very individual. <laughs> I need to do everything that is unique and never been done before, um, including loving the Lord. But without passion... We do the most we can, and without it, the least. That we hate to see those walking in an abundance of something we're deficient in. That engaging with celebrating with others seems so foreign sometimes. Because God, you could have just brought it to me. And as we're heading into Christmas, there are going to be a lot of people getting things that you want. (laughs) Although we're all adults and generally reasonably, you know, floating around the middle class, we can go buy whatever we want whenever we want it. You know what I'm saying? But still, there's a place of us knowing that living in passion will mean there is no envy or no jealousy inside of us. That when we see somebody living out the fullness of their passionate dreams and desire, our heart posture towards them will show us how passionately we are living out our dreams or desires. It's a great measuring stick. That if we attempt to bring others down, then it may be because that's where we feel we are that the rabid pursuit of the things that God has given us 
is always tested by our proximity to someone else. Instead of remembering that maybe because I am hearing about something, I am seeing something, there's a gifting, there's anointing, there's something that's going to someone else, this breakthrough, this life has just taken a step closer to me. And instead of being salty, I need to be celebrating it. I need to be telling you, you're amazing. You're wonderful. Look what God has done in your life. I knew it was going to happen that way. A way that our love is always tested. Yes, we are Christians. We are supposed to love. But can we do it out loud for someone else? Can we engage and being truly happy for someone. Anybody ever do the mental gymnastics to make yourself feel better than someone else? Where you go, oh, well, you know, they don't have that that way. Or they, you know, when you're poor sometimes, instead of it being wealth, it's knowing things. Well, you know, I have an understanding of scriptures better than they do, or I have this, or I have that. That as we become adults, this creates distance between people who even want to be friends because we're always looking for leverage. Love and passion never looks for leverage. It is always attempting to submit to someone else's beauty in humanity. That we are not called into competition as Christians. We are called into a compassionate stance that makes it difficult for us to despise someone. Let's get in the game. I mean, I haven't done this recently, but when I worship, I used to roar like a lion. It would probably scare everyone in here if I did it. <laughs> and I remember at a church that I used to do that every, every worship, it was like the way that I lived out loud. And people would come in, and uh, I remember someone telling me about how they despised me because I did that. Until they got to know me, but they can't, like, what is wrong with this dude? What is he, what, what is this problem? And I think a lot of that has made me not do it. That it's always hard, to, passion has you stand apart. And I feel like there are so many people in here who have throttled their passion so that you don't stand out too much. And, and you know, you're not too weird, and you don't really have to explain that thing you did to your family during Christmas. We throttle our passion and pull back on it, and all the while, we are living in compromise, internal compromise. You know what I'm saying? You ever feel like you have the, the little child you asking you why you do things? Why are you doing that, man? You know, that's not what we want to do. <laughs> You're like, I'm an adult now. Don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> Remember when you just love life and you <laughs> I've been through some things, kid, all right? <laughs> Kids just live and love and are all in. Can we reawaken those passions inside of us that we have convinced ourselves 
will make us stick out like a sore thumb. Because isn't that the point? I mean, isn't that kind of the point of life? That we would leave nothing on the table, that we would end our lives empty. Such a great example is Jesus on the cross. He emptied out his whole life. He emptied the cup. He drank it all the way to the end, the cup of suffering, and was out there passionately nailed to a cross, still being despised. Like, oh man, it's not that serious. Oh, you know... You don't need those people in your life. You need the people who are going to say, keep going. Yeah, you're out there on that limb. Okay, go to the next limb. Jesus passionately emptied everything for us, and that's who we are. That we pay sometimes so much attention to the haters or those who are despising as we step out. But what about those who are being impacted by our brash, standing out, and loving out loud. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him who the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes shall also worship, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. Imagine, what kind of life did you live if you die and it inspires? Wow. You lived an amazing life. Think about Stephen being stoned to death. And people are laying their feet, their their coats at the feet of Paul, which means he was approving of it. Forgive them, Father, as he is taking his last breath. How his death must have inspired Paul to be this colossal, on-fire figure for Jesus in the early days of Christianity. Imagine living with your love so out loud that even those who are supposed to despise you cannot And what I want to make sure today is that we are not the despisers. That we are not those, trust me, as a pastor, it is so easy to compare what people have, what people are doing, how many lights and how dark and how many smoke machines people have. And you know what I'm saying? What kind of illustrations you have. People driving motorcycles in to do illustration. You know what I mean? Like, we're not on that level quite yet, okay? All right. I got an empty box wrapped up. That's what kind of illustration I'm going to do, okay? That's, that's how I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> When we are despising someone in our heart, God cannot even get to us what he wants to get to us. Because we have created a wall that doesn't include thankfulness, doesn't include gratefulness. And people despise Jesus. 
and he despised the shame of the cross. Like imagine in welcoming a child into the world that is Jesus and seeing it in the stars and saying, okay, all right, I think he's going to be born here at this time, at this moment, and not even seeing everything that he would do. That he is simply just this child being born. And kings understanding how dangerous he is, so dangerous that you would go kill children to stop him from entering into the world. This is a passion that lives inside of us. That we shall lay it all out and not keep something back just in case because we get to the end of our life and we have a lot that we've kept back and just in case did not happen. Let us live in discomfort so that we will not despise those who are living and loving out loud. You guys want to stand up?